Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about esports. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, drumroll, please. We like to talk about games. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about esports. And we also kind of don't really have all that much else to talk about, I guess, because we didn't play any games last week. Uh, Hell's Rebels, it's on its hiatus. It may or may not be coming back on Wednesday. Uh, wait, no. It can't come back on Wednesday, right? You're going to Evo. Well, uh, so I am going to Evo, but um, I'm going to Evo on Thursday. But my friend, uh, or oh right, that's yes. why. Yeah, yeah. I, we had talked about it. I just remember that we had talked about it, and you said you weren't going. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we won't be playing this Wednesday. We are sticking to our two week hiatus, even though I'm raring and ready to go. Uh, and we didn't play anything else. Um, but I guess we played some video games. What games have you been playing? So the, the one I really want to talk about is I've been playing a bunch of uh, uh, Witcher Three. Um, Geralt of Rivia. Um, I still think that Geralt of, uh, uh, Geralt of Rivia is way too close to, Her- to Geraldo Rivera to be a coincidence. Um, but they're not people. Isn't who it are... definitionally a coincidence because like Geraldo Rivera was barely a guy? The first Witcher novels are from like thirty years ago. No, they're from like well, uh, I guess it is thirty years ago. It's the late eighties, but I think Geraldo Rivera was around then. I think we're all really? okay. I I the only reason I know him is because of that huge fuck up he had in Afghanistan in the mid two thousands. So, yeah, his 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 big thing. I th- wasn't he at the the opening of Capone's vault. Oh God, that might have been his thing. Yeah, that was his remember. first fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was such a huge cluster. Yeah, I mean, whatever the case may be. Um, Geralt of Rivia and uh, The Witcher Three. Yeah, I own The Witcher Three. I bought it on the Steam sale, but I have yet to play it. Uh. But yeah, it's 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 you will like this game a lot, actually. I'm so sure I will. I tried to do it with The Witcher 2, but I just couldn't get past the combat system. It was so clunky uh, that I just had a really tough time like breaking in in kind of like like first 45 minutes. You yeah, know, like when a game really kind of like grabs you or doesn't grab you. That's what happened to The Witcher 2, anyway. So hi- hypothetically, The Witcher 3 will be able to solve that problem for me. Yeah, just because it, it's it's kind of like the openness of Skyrim with kind of like. The tightness and, like, the writing, like, I'm not going to, I haven't played the whole game, so I can't say it's as good or as bad, but the same kind of, like, narrative choices as, like, Mass Effect, and because you're playing Geralt of Rivia instead of playing, like, you know, the Dragonborn, the, the story can be a lot tighter, if that makes sense. I, I, I love that. I secretly really champion... Uh, that perspective a lot for instance i think it was uh i think it was um that kind of thing that made mass effect really good like it really like kind of hit this sweet spot between you know making you having it be a role-playing game you are making your choices but you're also playing the character of commander Shepard. Uh, kind of thing, and I and I and I like that in kind of how I've seen it in other games, and I feel like other games have kind of been. This is this is a little bit of what turned me off with something like Dragon Age Origins, uh, though mostly what turned me off is those terrible combat. Um, and uh, and Dragon Age Inquisition kind of has the same ish problem. Ironically, Fallout Four has the opposite problem. Fallout Four, you need to, Fallout Four should have had a cipher, but they didn't. Kind of thing. Yeah, I so. Part of the thing I like about it, too, is one of the things that I don't tend to like about the Bioware systems is, is this kind of like you've got your you've got your goodness meter and you're either good or you're you're bad. Whereas um, the choices in which you seem to um, they're not really like a, 
a personality de- determinant, but they like like specific choices have specific consequences, which mm-hmm. I like. And also, the, the world of the Witcher is a little just a, a bit shittier than your than your average Mass Effect. Or uh... <laughs> I have heard that actually. I have heard that the uh, that the the world building of Witcher very much suffers from the novels themselves kind of being incomprehensible to a certain extent. Yes, they are in Polish. Um, yeah. Yeah, yes, that is, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but like... <laughs> Nobody in the world speaks Polish. <laughs> it's a dead language, bingo. <laughs> um, but it, it's... The, the world's just a, a fundamentally... It's it, it's it's a bad place. And, like, the if, if, like, interviews are to be believed, like, it is like what, like, Poland at the worst of its times was in some ways. Wow, um, okay. Um, and so t- sometimes the choices are, like... Like shit or shittier or like aggression or snark, and it's 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 a lot of fun. It's I don't know, like you know, you go and you do the right thing, and everybody's like, "You fucking freak, get the fuck out!" And it's 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 so well done like that. It, it's the the story I've seen so far really dragged me in. I haven't played it. I have played like minutes of Witchers one and two before this. Um. But this is really sucking me in, and uh, I, I highly recommend it to to everybody out there, um, especially if you feel the need for like, you know, it, it, like on the other side on the gameplay side, I don't think the combat system's the most intuitive. Um, I think it's pretty difficult to, to wrap your your fingers around, I guess, and it's it's clunky and it's not masterable. I think in the same way that say like a Dark Souls is, um, which I don't like as much but it's definitely comprehensible there's enough variety there um and i do think it's better than say like skyrim combat which usually to me feels like swinging like you know clicking as fast as you can to get your sword hits in um and i think that that because uh, again you're playing Geralt, um and you can customize him to a certain extent but you can't make him like a mage you can make him a more magic focused witcher but you can't like you know, at the core, you still have your two swords, and and that's like kind of the core of your gameplay. Um, and uh, I don't know. I really like you know it's got the standard itemization stuff. Um, and something I really like is like in Skyrim, you know, you see these like kind of waypoints on your compass, and you're like, ah, oh, I could go there and see what that is. Similar thing in Witcher. It doesn't have like the compass thing, but it has question marks on the map. It's like there's a thing here. Maybe you want to check it out. Um, and that's, that's always a lot of fun. I got, I love that system. That is, uh, that is relatively interesting. One of the things that, I, that really made Skyrim just kind of go nuts for me, um, is I kind of created a self-imposed rule on how to play the game. Uh, that rule being that you are not allowed to fast travel except, uh, from, like cities, like city to city, uh, because you can buy those those carts or whatever. Uh, like there, like there are these carts on the outside of each city, and it really helps like reinforce that kind of like immersiveness of the world that I think is like, you know, it it, it is what dials like the best thing that Skyrim has to offer up to eleven. Um, because you're not doing that thing where you know like you fast travel to the to the dungeon. Right, you get out, you fast travel back to town. You know, you fat, you like, you keep fast traveling. You know, because the the map has been kind of filled in, and I think that that is kind of the secret to having that game have uh, 
like have 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 like a, a bit more like oomph to it, I guess, if that makes sense. So I think actually Witcher does this better than Sky like better like I think it's the best system I've seen. It's so you can only travel between signposts and you can't travel from anywhere to a signpost. You have to go to one signpost and fast travel to any other signpost. Um and they are far enough apart there's a fair amount of like 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 that it's not trivial. Mm-hmm. Um but the best part is he always has his horse Roach, and the horse can move pretty fast. So you don't get like the, the more the tedious aspects. Like I think the horses in Skyrim move way too slow. Oh, um, I never even bothered with the horses in Skyrim to be honest. Um, and so his horse can gallop, and when his horse is gallop, when his horse is galloping off the road, it's got like a stamina. But when it's galloping on the road, it can gallop infinitely. So you can kind of you kind of get like the the feeling of like really moving between the points. But without like the tedium that you can get if if you've got an actually big world, which which Witcher three does, the maps are you know what very that reminds large. me of that reminds me of uh, Red Dead Redemption. Um, I never played it, but oh man, Red Dead Redemption is so good. Yeah, apparently the second one is coming out. Uh, like Red Red Redemption two is coming out. Uh, but like 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 it was. This is like the hot the hot rumor was that it was set to come out. Um, during E3, like it was set to be premiered for E3, but because the promotional video is basically you as a cowboy walk into a saloon and shoot everybody inside, they thought that was a little bit tasteless, uh, being that Orlando happened like right. two days earlier, kind of thing. Um, I don't, you know, I can't verify that rumor, but you know what uh, I think is more likely. He walked into the saloon and said, "It's high noon," and shot everybody, and they were like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I cannot believe this shit. <laughs> of all the voice actors to hire, Matt Mercer. Oh, no. Uh, I'm glad that we both know the voice actor for McCree. <laughs> um, I found out that he was Ganondorf in There Will Be Brawl. Have you have you seen There Will Be Brawl? Mm-mm. It is a, a short web series that is like a like grim noir uh, detective thing, but it's it's Super Smash Brothers Brawl. So like Ganondorf's like a mob boss, and Luigi Luigi's the gumshoe. Um, wow. Uh, okay. It is like it sounds silly, but it's like surprisingly dark. I remember that watching does, that. It when does it, sound when it came exceedingly out, silly. I have to say it's really good. Well, I haven't watched it in a number of years, but it came up, and I I need to. I'm going to watch it again sometime because it was really good the first time I, re- I remember watching it. So I'd recommend that to you all. And I'll, I'll I'll put a link in the description to uh, there will be brawl. Uh, it ran on the Escapist, I think, actually originally back when back when uh, zero punctuation was just like back when the, the Escapist was, was fresh. Ayo, got him. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I like the Escapist. Um, the Escapist just—I don't, I don't like anything they have left. All of the stuff that I liked in the Escapist has since been. You don't like zero uh, punctuation. Zero punctuation is the, is the only one left, but I don't like his other show. Judging by the cover or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, Jim Sterling's gone. Bob Chipman is gone. Uh, Ross Lincoln is gone. Um, just a lot of people that I liked were. I don't uh, think they have any them. like, like there are very few shows on the Escapist anymore because like even uh, yeah no it's definitely yeah they are not making they they actually just recently let a whole bunch more people go so mm. I don't really think the Escapist is making any money for anybody anytime soon, um, but you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is. Yep, that is what uh, that is what it is. Greg Tito is their uh, their editor in chief. He now works for 
Wizards of the Coast. It's funny because I followed him on Twitter because he was uh, you're the editor-in-chief of uh, The Escapist. And then he became like a community manager at Wizards of the Coast. So I actually see like a lot of stuff for like D&D 5th edition. Not that I really know 5th edition all that well, but I just see that constantly. Um, but uh, But yeah. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to give The Witcher a try. I'll have to dig in just a bit uh, to see what to see what it has to, I suppose, offer. And uh, what, what games have you been playing, Butteroo? Man, what games have I been playing? Uh, I've been playing a little bit of XCOM Two, which I have had a really tough time getting back into, which is unfortunate. Uh, all of the DLC came out for it, but it looks to be pretty light. Unfortunately, uh, they did add one new class, but the new class is actually just kind of a hodgepodge, from the best I can tell, um, of the other classes, which I really don't like. Um, and I and I, I I find myself frustrated by the difficulty in that game uh, because my original playthrough. I was playing on normal. Um, no, maybe I was playing on hard. I think I was... Pl- this, this is what happened. My original playthrough, I was playing on hard, veteran, whatever. The Not the incra- like the crazy, insane difficulty, but the one above that. Or the one below that, rather. Um, and, uh, and I was safe scumming in order to keep myself alive. Uh, and I was doing basically fine. Um, and uh, the unfortunate thing was... Um, I got to a point where I was, like, save-scumming, like, every other turn because the game was so difficult that I was like, okay, 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 this is what I'm going to do. So I quit that campaign. I started a new campaign on normal playing Iron Man because I think Iron Man is kind of the way that you're supposed to play that game. Um, And, you know, I'm playing on normal, and it's going fine and everything, and then I just kind of, like, I can't quite remember what happened, uh, but I think it was, like, a succession of, like, one or two bad missions that just, like, killed my whole top-tier team, and I was just kind of in that position of, like, well, what the fuck? How, how, how do I go forward? I'm fighting berserkers and mutons with, like, you know, squaddies who don't even have – all they have are assault rifles and grenades, and I'm trying my very best. And then, you know, the squaddies that rank up just get killed on the next, you know, on the next mission anyway. So it's like, why even bother kind of thing? And I, and I basically gave that up. But I thought that that was the right thing to do. And so for this mission – and so for this time, I'm doing the same thing. I'm playing on normal uh, with Iron Man enabled. But the problem I'm finding is that the way the learning curve of the game is – the early parts, like, the curve itself is, like, it's, like, basically a straight line, right? But the, or, sorry, like, my, my skill level is a straight line, right? But the curve starts below my line, right? And then it very swiftly slopes up and goes ahead of my line. And so, for the bulk of this early bit, and this happened in my other campaign, too, for the bulk of this early bit, everything's just too easy. I'm just I'm just doing too well, right? And then it's and then it gets good, and then it swaps into being so difficult that it feels impossible. Um, and so the, I, I just like I, I have I have the mo- the most I don't know I just have a very hard time uh, getting getting as deep into it as I want to. Um, I'm almost a little bit tempted to say that I think XCOM Enemy Unknown is better than it at this point. Um, but I'm not quite sure I really stand by that opinion. I don't know. It's rough. Huh. So, so, so the, the, you said, you said the, the DLC is all out for, uh, 
It seems to be all out. Um, the, when they first launched the game, they announced three DLC packs with it. Um, and I bought all three of those. Pa- those packs have all since come out. I don't know if they were announcing those packs with the intention to make more games that or make more DLC that we haven't seen yet, right? Like maybe, uh, you know, I think this is maybe they will um, add. Uh, maybe they will add DLC past this point that they just haven't announced yet. Um, but from what I understand, all of the DLC for the game is out. Okay. Huh. Interesting. And then I've also gone back to World of Warcraft uh, oh, because of I because I love myself, and uh, and I have a whole bunch of Netflix shows that I want to watch, and it is just so. It's funny when I you know when I've been playing all these other games. Um, Returning to World of Warcraft is like... <laughs> it's like starting like to smoke poetry. crack again. No, it's not even... It's not like that at all. It's like the exact opposite of that. It's like it's like I went to college, right? And it's been college and I'm you know, i so hyper and focused and energized and every second is like doing, 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 focus, you know, right? Like, um, and then I just... And now I got home for summer break. You know what I mean? And I have nothing to do. Right, I don't have an internship. I don't have a job, right? Or maybe I do have a job, or maybe I, you know, like this is the story of like my like sophomore year of college, where I had a, uh, I basically had a part time job that was super infrequent and very, um, uh, kind of immediate. Where just like every once in a while, I would get a call from one of my friends and be like, "Hey, come do you know this thing? It's like stage stage crew kind of like st- you know set up lights on this thing, do sound for this thing, kind of thing." Um, and uh, and it's just like there's there's really something to how laid back that experience is uh, for World of Warcraft that makes it like the perfect like cleanser after playing like months and months and months of really high focus kind of games to have a game where it's really not about like wow doesn't feel like it's about focus almost to me at this point wow feels almost like it's supposed to be like you know kind of like kung fu um where i'm trying to train okay so (laughs) (laughs) i could really okay you're like it's like kung fu not okay not not kung fu panda no No, no, okay. Okay, I have been watching... I watched all of the new season of Marco Polo, which is why Kung Fu is on my mind. But also, okay. it's always on my mind because Kung Fu Panda is one of the best movies to come out in the last 20 years. Um, anyway, um, so this is my understanding of how Kung Fu compares to a lot of other martial arts, right? In Judo or in, you know, Karate or in, uh, uh, you know, whatever else, uh, you are like thinking tactically almost in order to like fight somebody right you're watching the moves that they're doing right and like um you know by the way as immediately as i say this i might be talking about taekwondo instead of kung fu but whatever anyway you're watching the moves as they happen and responding thoughtfully to them right like i see some guy punching me and i think and i react kind of thing but what kung fu slash taekwondo i can't quite remember uh is about is about like you like the the exercises for these things are just like punch a thousand times and the idea is to create muscle memory for these moves right so that you don't have that thinking period it's actually kind of all instinct and muscle memory if that makes sense um 
And uh, so that's a little bit of what I feel like World of Warcraft is, right? You get your, you know, you get your moves and all of this kind of stuff, but it's really a lot less about thinking super tactically. Because I actually kind of think that if you engage with World of Warcraft in that way, it's kind of the wrong way almost. Like, that's how the game gets super kind of frustrating and boring. um, Because, like, you realize that you're just pressing the same, like, six buttons in the same kind of rotation over and over again. But what you really want to be doing in World of Warcraft is you want to get that button pressing down to... So that you don't think about it, right? It's just happening, right? You're just going through your rotation, you know, normally, right? You know, it's... You know, it's A, B, C, C, A, B, D, D, A, B, C. And you're you're getting that kind of cadence down. And you're reacting to what's happening in the game, right? Oh, fire's coming out. I should not stand in it. While almost the rotation itself is happening on your back, in like the back of your head, right? Um, And so... uh, and I so that makes feel that. I, and I so yeah yeah and so that's what makes World of Warcraft a perfect game to play while watching TV shows and movies on my other monitor because when you're just leveling right when you're not in a raid scenario where you do have to focus because you have to be focused on these like kind of like life or death situations on you know oh am I standing in fire am I doing kind of whatever right like all that um, but if you're just leveling it's very easy to just put all that stuff into the back burner and be paying attention to your show at the same time, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've been, I've been loving it. I've been playing a death Knight. They're pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. Bringing, I, uh, yeah. I've, I've been getting back on, on my, on my troll monk a little bit and it's like, it's, it's, uh, I feel like it's like uh, like trying to like rip start a lawnmower. It's like the first time I got back on and the motor didn't start, and the second time it didn't start. I feel like if if I can get myself on for a third time, the motor will start running and I'll start my the the quick the quick path to burning myself out on the game again. It'll be great. I think yeah. I mean I think there's the, the like you're kind of lucky because you get to like I had this problem um, almost because I. You know, I played the game when it came out, right? And then I dropped it for a couple of months, and then I came back for a couple of months kind of thing. And so when I came back, you know, Tanan Jungle is out. There's all this Tanan Jungle stuff. And so I kind of churned through that content, and then I basically maxed out all of that content, like the the amount of that content that I wanted to do. I don't really want to do any more of that content at this point. Um, and, uh, and so now I'm kind of in the doldrums before the next expansion coming out. Um, because I basically exhausted all of that 6.2 content, but I, if I remember correctly, you haven't played through, like, Tanan Jungle or any nope. of that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do there, and I think it's actually pretty sweet and pretty fun. Um, well, the, I think another frustration I, with World of Warcraft can be, like, comparing it unfairly almost to other games um i think world of warcraft wants to live as kind of uh you know like a 45 minute game that you pick up every once in a while this has been happening to me with hearthstone actually where like um you know i log on i do one of my quests right so that i can get you know i can get a little bit of gold and then i and then i log out right you know i played four games of hearthstone today right i lost two games i won two games completed a quest and then i exited it kind of thing and there's something very you know like 
almost Skinner boxy about that like reward loop in your head, and you can hit that same thing with WoW just by like, oh, I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna do my dailies for a bit, you know, get get my like progress bar, tick 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 kind of thing. But I'm really looking for this mount, or I'm really looking for you know like this transmog, or I'm really looking for kind of like whatever else you're looking for, um, in order to kind of like move on. Yeah, I don't know. Th- that's that's always the thing that kind of like hits me is when I'm doing it long enough and I like I hit a moment where I'm like and then I can do this and then I can go do some fun stuff and it's like wait wait why what did I just say um yeah that, that definitely yeah that definitely happens to me though to be honest that happens to me with basically every game that's I don't think that happens to you with every game but I, I get what you mean well, um, you know, like, like in the sense of, you know, for instance, um, this happened to me with Total War, right? Like, I beat the game on humans, and then I beat the game on dwarves, and then I beat the game on greenskins, and then I got to the point that I've been to in those past three games, where I've basically taken over the world, nobody can really stand up to me, but yet, I have not, I have not filled out all the victory conditions and i kind of sat myself down almost and realized yep i'm you know what i'm i'm good with total war warhammer for a while you know like i'll come back to it after some dlc you know after some dlc comes out and uh and and we'll be solid and that got me to and you know to be fair that was 91 hours right um but i haven't played that game since you know june 20th uh so it lasted a little bit less than a month yeah i mean that's I think that's that's also like a particular problem with strategy games is that there tends to be this kind of like lull in like the you know you've won but you haven't won type type mm-hmm. scenario. I think I, sh- I, go on. Well, I was going to say I I think that's something to the advantage of the League of Legends of the world. Um, and honestly, you know, I hope the Overwatches. Though I am a little bit nervous that the game has been out for uh, you know a bit and there hasn't been any new content i mean i guess i guess competitive mode counts um but my point is more that uh you know rapid patching games like that i think can kind of shake it up enough that i get to the point that i want to get to without too much trouble i'm pretty sure that they're going to do like they do with diablo and do all the major content releases um in between the seasons um that might be a little bit too slow for your tastes. Oof, that might be. I wonder. Um, I think Overwatch Overwatch is a remarkably robust game at this point. Um, I think it is... Jeez, uh, man. They're announcing Sombra at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, so, you know. That, or the, um, But that's, like, I think right at the end of the... Uh, uh, at the end of the summer season. I don't actually know what weekend that is. Man, see, that sounds too slow to me. I see, maybe you could get me on board for, like, a big content update uh, every three months, right? Like, let's say every three months they came out with two new heroes and a new map, right? Puts them at four maps, eight heroes a year kind of thing. It might be a little bit too aggressive, but that kind of puts them on, like, League of Legends-ish. I guess League doesn't do maps, but I think they have about eight eight heroes a year. Um, that, that sounds – you could get me on board for that. Um, but, uh, one hero every four months. I think part of it too is that, uh, which is, which is, I think a a hard thing to, to under, or uh, an easy thing to underestimate rather is that, um, this is also 
launch season. For, like, you know, this is the first months since this game, since uh, Overwatch has launched. Um, I think that's hard uh, to, 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 to play around, right? Like, I feel like the first couple months of any big game launch, especially big successful game launches, are kind of like putting out fires while you try and make sure that infrastructure and everything that you got wrong on launch gets fixed type of deal, which aren't flashy updates, but they're necessary. Um, well, I mean, speaking from personal experience working at a, at a game company during a big launch, I sympathize with that because I remember how garbage uh, the initial kind of the initial 14 launch was you know just like for months on end it was just like non-stop kind of craziness and overtime and fires and everything like that um but then i also can compare it to the launch of the expansion heavens ward which was exceedingly smooth by comparison i think it's mostly about setting up the pipeline right like if um something that helped league of legends a lot in my opinion in the very early period of season 1 and season 2 was they were so aggressive at releasing content right like it was just ridiculous i mean i you know like i think about this sometimes i talk about this with people sometimes right you know like i'll i'll talk about this with people at work when we're talking about like 14 patches or whatever um it is ridiculous to me that there was a time where Riot was putting out a new champion every two weeks, right? That was that was a period of the, of their existence, but I think it was actually a very important period of their existence, right? Because that clip was hey, hey it was unsustainable. Of course, they weren't going to stay at that at that rate, right? It was bad for the game, right? From a balance perspective, because it you know it kind of forced terrible balance all the time like on everyone um but what it allowed them to do is uh kind of flood the game with enough content to to just like chum these waters for like consumers right like over and over again every two weeks oh more chum more chum for the waters kind of thing and then and then they get to the point where their boat is trailing millions upon millions of players and then they go okay right now we need to go back and switch out some of these, right? We're going to rework some of these bad champions. We're going to swap up our item design because a lot of these items are promoting bad things, you know what I mean, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and hypothetically, right, when when you have that, you get to a better, you know, you get to a better uh, a future where we kind of have League at the present, right? Where, you know, League is, go is you know, they're in third, they're in third gear. They're not really accelerating. They're just kind of at cruising altitude, Um and and that's the way that they're going to be. Uh, that's the way they're going to be going for kind of like the conceivable future. And I think oh, if Overwatch wants to really stick with people, they almost need to copy that mindset, right? They need to just like flood this game with like heroes and maps and everything else um, and balance patches, right? Because you know one of the side effects of putting a new hero in the game every week is you have to make balance changes every two weeks, right? Um, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel uh, how I feel about that. It might be a little bit too much like beta thinking. I think. Uh, yeah, I also think that like, I think shoot like, you know, we we we're bo we both come at this from a very mobile e perspective because that's what we're used to. Um, but like, shooters generally don't change as much, right? Like CS:GO was like built on like thirty, well, not thirty years, but built on. 
a decade of CS 1.6 and source. Um, and even then, like they changed the bullet spread on like a gun and everybody lost their minds. Um, so I think that that there's kind of like a, like, I think mobile players want to see that kind of rapid expansion, but I think FPS players want the kind of like bake in time for like real mastery to sit in. (sighs) Man, I don't know how I feel about that. I do kind of agree with you, uh, to be honest. And I do think that, um, you know, it's weird in a certain way. Uh, I think about this way for Hearthstone actually. Um, to me, Hearthstone, Hearthstone should not be a rapid patching game, right? I think fundamentally, Hearthstone kind of wants you to get good um, at the like a very you know it's kind of like chipping away at marble, right? It takes time, right? And you really have to dig into it. Part of a skill in League of Legends is adapting to patches, right? You know, like I mean, pro teams bitch about this kind of thing all the time, but I have precisely zero sympathy, right? Because you know this is League of Legends. If you have played enough of this game to be a pro, you understand that this game patches on a fucking dime. And there are some times where you have to throw all your strats out the window because, you know what? Sivir was overpowered, right? And so they throw her in the nerf dumpster and you have to figure out all of your comps from the ground up kind of thing. Um, And I think that that's a skill, right? That's a a skill that people learn. And that adaptability is, uh, you know, weirdly pivoting into esports. That adaptability is a skill that is tested by the competitive modes of that game, um, by the esport, right? Of, of what of what League of Legends wants to be, but I don't think that's what Hearthstone wants to be. I don't actually think that's what CSGO probably wants to be either. I think you're right when you when you say that CSGO wants to be consistent and promote that mastery because I don't think I you know I, I want to see people get kind of disrupted in the same way. Um, but I think the problem it comes down to a bit um, Because, you know, you, you have to make some balance changes sometimes, right? Like, it's, it is a necessary kind of evil, uh, even though it can really jostle up and kind of destroy uh, what people have built. I don't know. I think League of Legends is a little bit of a, of a you know, it's about, you know, sometimes the table gets flipped and you have to start all over again. And your ability to react to that and bounce back from that is important. Um, and to a certain extent, I think that's true of all of all you know games that want to be uh, esports. You have to react. Sometimes even the game doesn't even get changed, right? But you know, like yeah, some, somebody figures out that whatever is the best character in Super Smash Brothers Melee, and all of a sudden you have to react to the fact that you know everyone is running around playing Jigglypuff. New tech. Yeah, actually, that was actually something I was going to bring up in kind of this discussion, right? Like. Some people argue that, like, rapid patching is actually kind of the bane of um, of competitive gaming. This is this is a big thing, in particularly, like, uh, the, the fighting game scene, particularly in the Smash scene. Um, people, some people are really upset that Smash 4 got as much, as many balance changes as it did. Um, and they argue that, you know, the, the meta evolves itself um, because you have people still, you have people still discovering new tech now for Smash Brothers Melee which to, to many Smash players is the best Smash game of all time, um, and that it's better to kind of, like, let it roll and let things roll out. I think part of that is that um, League, as as, as as much as, I, you know, I don't want to say it's it's it's, uh, it's a simple game, because it's certainly not, um, but it doesn't have, like, the kind of mechanical complexity and the mechanical weirdness 
that higher action games like FPS and fighting games do, where like weird interactions with the ge- with different geometries can cause um, intended or unintended side effects type of deal. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also think that it is an extremely bad thing. For, so, for instance, I played competitive Magic the Gathering for like three months of my life. Um, but uh, competitive Magic the Gathering, you cannot do the Smash Brothers thing with it, right? If you just if if Magic was they stopped publishing it, right? No more Magic cards, right? The meta is the meta for the rest of all time. It would be the exact same. Um, there are, I think, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Smash 4, God, you know, maybe Smash 4 is kind of like this perfect game right there. Or not Smash 4, Smash Melee is this perfect game, right, where like the meta is always shifting and people are discovering new tech and it completely, you know, upends everything. But honestly, in my experience, that argument is an idealistic argument that never holds out in practicality. In practicality, nine games out of 10, right? The meta will settle and it will become stale and it won't reinvent itself, right? That it it will just it will just stay stagnant forever until changes are made from the outset uh to uh to the game. And I also think that the stuff that is talked about, right, in that high level like, oh man, somebody discovered new tech, all of a sudden, you know, Falco is better than Fox in melee, right? Um that stuff only applies to the competitive scene because how, you know, like what are, you know, are casual players going to be able to execute on that kind of stuff? Um, but are casual players looking for balance updates in the first place? I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, casual players can be can be competitive, right? My point is that they are at a casual skill level, not a competitive skill sure. level. Sure, no, it's just, I, I, think, I think something that League of Legends and Dota has done is kind of bring the distance between your couch warrior and your and your professional player much closer together right like i think there's like for for fighting games in particular um there's a much wider gap between um you know really good players and really casual players and i think it's because league is an online only game it's impossible to actually really be um a super like, I think it's impossible to be as ignorant of, uh, like the league meta as it is to be as ignorant of of like a fight of like a, a couch fighting game meta, um, in the current day and age. I think league has, in many ways, for for the the betterment of of esports as a concept, kind of pushed that in the direction. Like you see, I think Street Fighter, uh, Five has has it's it's not as rapid as league, but it does get balance changes. Um, I think part of that's due to uh, you know, it's essentially the the world being that much smaller for the internet, um, and I I think that uh, it's I think part of the thing too is like league league uh, again I don't want to make it sound like league's an easy game, but I think league has less execution limits than uh, than like say your your Smash Brothers, your Street Fighter, or your um, or your Overwatches, even. Um, and I think I think that's a big part of like when when you brought up Magic the Gathering, when you bring up Hearthstone, those games like Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone have literally zero execution. Sure, but I also think that League is fundamentally better on a strategic level than those than some of the other games you were mentioning, um, mostly because of time and you know you get, like look, 
I think Overwatch is, a, you know, like, it's a moderately strategic game. But the kind of strategy that happens in Overwatch is, in, in a certain sense, I think that there is a finite amount of kind of, like, that space, right? And you kind of have to just, like, put a wedge in there somewhere and say, okay, this part is strategic, this part is execution-based, right? And so, you know, Magic the Gathering and and Hearthstone have just not put a wedge in anywhere and say, it's all strategic, right? Uh, League has put put it somewhere in the middle saying, hey, it's about half and half. And then you have something like Overwatch where it's like, okay, well, it's like 60% execution, 40% strategic stuff. Right, um, yeah. No, but I, I, I think, but I, like, I, I think you're absolutely right. And... I think that the higher in execution your game gets, like, the the higher execution matters in your game, the less you need to patch to keep the game interesting, if that makes sense. Like, there's there's a natural amount that you can grow into a game um, by just getting better at things in that game. Um, and I think that lets you kind of adjust the game a lot more slowly, or it lets the devs adjust the game a lot more slowly, because... Um, instead of having, like, you know, you, as you put it, the skill of adjusting to the meta, instead of having to apply that skill, you, you're flexing your your uh, your execution muscles, as it were. Um, getting your uh, one-frame links in your fighting games or your, uh, you know, or, or your wave dashes off perfectly in your, in your melees. Um, and I think that that lets... I think that that lets you put more time between patches with... Uh, without damaging the game. And I think in some ways it's necessary because you need those kind of corners of execution to come out because an, a premature balance change, like, might screw that up. Like, you might, like you might find yourself on the back foot needing to, undo, like, undo something. Like, uh, for instance, if, if live patching was a thing in Melee, the discovery of the wave dash makes some characters much, much more viable. And so if... Characters that were previously unviable had been buffed. Um, prior to that, they would then be in a bad place in a post-wave dash world. Um, and I think playing into this too is, is is how much does does a game want to cater to the casual versus the esports audience? Because if you know John, Johnny uh, Johnny Smash player probably can't wave dash sitting on his couch. I mean, maybe at this point he can because those are the only people still playing melee. But back in the day, he couldn't. And is balancing the characters around something like that a thing that the company should do, or should they, or should they, uh, or, or, should, or should they, you know, kind of recognize that you need to uh, the recognize the casual player as kind of like a separate entity. See, honestly, this is kind of a weird argument for a separation between kind of competitive and baseline play i think the best uh, the best way to kind of illustrate this concept is with lane swaps in league of legends right late since season two uh lane swaps have dominated league of legends they have tried so many things in order to try and make you know 2v2 1v1 standard kind of lanes happen but at the end of the day and I, you know like honestly i as a designer i don't think that them kind of treading water on this issue for however many years um i think it's because this is kind of like an unsolvable problem 
to a certain extent. You know the how they upside, solved that problem? They made well, no. they made a lane swap camera. So now you can watch watch mid lane while you see your lane swaps happening in the corners. Yeah, no, I mean I yeah, I mean I know. Uh but like I think like the problem is from a strategic perspective, it will never the trade off between I know that I'm going to lose like this X lane, so let's just dodge the lane, get some free turrets, and head into kind of mid game rotations, right? Um, and I, it's it's such a problem. I have no idea. I have no idea how I would solve that as a designer. You know, maybe I would solve it by forcing positions in the way that like baseball almost does. You know what I mean? Like where, um, like if you think about it, right? Like the way that uh, a baseball diamond is set up, you cannot have a catcher. You can't have a catcher sitting behind the pitcher, right? You can't have all of your guys in, you know, um, what whatever it is, right? Like in the, you know, like uh, so the, the, the people. Some people have to be kind of rooted in their spots, and uh, maybe making some actually kind of kind of fluid. Actually, like yeah, this is a really bad idea. The really, the better way I thought of this analogy as I started talking, but I kept trying to save it. The better version of this is offsides, right? You say that yeah, okay, okay for the first however many minutes of the, for the first ten minutes of the game, you're stuck in your lane. The only per- you have one player who can break offsides. That's your jungler, right? He he can go anywhere on the he can go anywhere on the map that he. Wants wants kind of thing um maybe mid laner uh i i don't know i don't know what i have no idea how to solve that i I think Um, this actually kind of rolls into another interesting question which is the problem isn't with lane swaps per se it's that they're fucking boring as shit to watch that is also hyper true um it's funny actually because i i used i've gone back and forth on this at first i thought they were really boring to watch and then i there, there was a period of time where i was watching so much competitive league, right? Like, uh, th- and this is at the time that I was writing for Cloth Five. I was watching all of the OGN games. I was watching all the LCS games uh, for both EU and NA. So it was something like I was watching like 20, 20 individual games of League of Legends per week, or something obscene like that. Um, and I got, and I actually got into the lane swaps, right? Because I'm just seeing it every game, and you get that you understand what a good lane swap is, right? You see that, oh. Cloud9 are the best lane swap team in the game, right? They lane swap, they do it so cleanly, so perfectly, right? TSM are the best, you know, what standard lane team. If they get standard lanes, they are going to fucking wreck you, right? Um, and and I and I because I was so immersed in competitive league, I was I was able to parse it and I was able to see it and I was able to kind of hold the Monte Cristo point of you know like lane swaps are like are interesting from a spectator. Um, but then I fell out of it again, right? And I wasn't watching as much. And now I think of lane swaps as being ridiculously boring. I think the operative thing is that. League of Legends is a game where I understand what's going on because I'm immersed in the game that I play, right? I play League of Legends every day, so when I go and tune into competitive and I'm watching what's happening, I immediately – it meets me halfway. It I know 50% and it is showing me the other 50% and here I'm getting 100% viewer experience, right? But because I never see lane swaps when I'm playing ranked in, you know, gold one, um, I don't have a frame of reference for them. Right, I I have no frame of reference for what's a good one, what's a bad one, and it's just boring for that reason. Right, the game is only going fifty percent, but I have nothing to contribute to that, so it just falls short every single time. And the only way that you can build that up is if by is if you watch every if you watch all of these games and you sub- submerge yourself into this competitive meta where you build up kind of the the understanding that you need in order to kind of meet meet the viewing experience halfway and creating like a solid solid um kind of spectator uh thing and um 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the better I don't know what the better option is there. Yeah, no, it's kind of to lead to the larger point. Like, but you know, bring it back to this core topic of esports is esports is by its nature a thing that wants to be driven by viewership, and so I do think you need to, in some ways, like pay pay nod to the audience. But on the other hand, you also, you know, it's not like they don't they they play like football or soccer super simply just because not everybody knows how that game works right like there you've you've probably been that guy and you know even even you know I've been that guy where it's like why did that happen on the field somebody else explains it to you it's you know relatively arcane rule of like say lacrosse that doesn't make any sense to you because you haven't seen the game before um but i think that you kind of have to trust the audience to to in some ways be able to latch on to those nuances but in other ways like you know hockey made a set of rules to make fighting less important right like i mean it's yeah but i mean it's also one of those things i I don't think you can really compare this to uh like conventional sports in a lot of ways because um so because computers are involved when it comes to esports, it allows you to make so many more rules, right? You can because a computer will just back end all like kind of all the calculations for you or whatever. If you think about what it actually takes to play a game of League of Legends, you cannot transpose League of Legends to the real world, right? It is right fundamentally impossible because you need a computer to back end all of the calculations of even if even if we got even like okay even if by some miracle i bought you know 20 acres and in that 20 acres i put a scale model of summer's rift and i got 10 of my friends and we all said i'm playing yasuo i'm playing lissandra right and we figured out some way that like oh when lissandra throws her tennis you know lissandra throws a tennis ball that's my ice blast right and it does 85 damage but when i level up from all the experience from all the you know like the creeps which i guess are going to be dogs that i've trained or whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like it's impossible there's no way you can't even it's impossible right i'm, um, I'm just I, honestly i'm imagining you in a yastro costume like cutting <laughs> cutting charles duick in half <laughs> 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 that would be great. I would love it because I feel like Charles Duick. Like I like the idea of like oh. me on on quote unquote Yasuo and Charles Duick on like quote unquote like Velkas or something. But he has just the, these big flo- floppy tube arms. I don't know why. That's the vision that came into my head. He like barely plays Yasuo. Charles is um, waving at me. I think he heard me. That's good news. Um, but anyway, my point is right when when I, you know like you and I could go outside right now right to a park and play football right um those games are rules light because it that like they need to be because they just kind of in the real world and even then when you and i play football we don't play you know like we don't play with pads we don't you know we might not play with you know blitz rules or whatever right when you and i play you know like <laughs> baseball or whatever right you we you and i probably are not going to play baseball on a regulation mlb right. diamond because n- neither of us would ever land a pitch right <laughs> we wouldn't be able to throw the ball um you know the full whatever it is 90 feet kind of thing um and League of Legends doesn't have that problem. League of Legends on an esports level is 
is is the exact same game as it is on on like a, a community level, right? Because you have to be precise, and there are just so many rules to be precise about, right? Uh, but when it comes to you know like the the football that you watch on the NFL is just not even if we played by the exact same rules, it's not the same football that we would play in our backyard. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's so. that, that is true. But, and part of me, and part of me, and uh, this is a little bit why I think offsides is an option for Leland. Like, part of me says that you know what? Look, maybe these fucking conventional sports have this shit figured out, right? Like, let's let's bring in offsides. Let's say that these positions are rooted for our professional players when they're not rooted in ranked, right? Like, th- maybe if maybe if we broke that, right? If we kind of ripped that bandaid off. Um, if we turned that bread into toast, you can't you can't untoast the bread anymore. But maybe you just need to like kind of break through the barrier uh, in order to make the changes that you know like competitive league like really really needs in order to be the next football. But is so this is actually kind of going to tie into my next point. Like, does that mean like you have a set of refs standing watching uh, the the league games and like you blow a whistle for offsides? Or do you, like, you know, like, you can tell the computer to not let anybody leave their lanes, right? Like, yeah, and well, I, that is rough. I, I didn't quite think that far. And I think, like, and I think that's, like, you know, that is one of the advantages of, like, as you said, having a computer back everything up. is like, there should never be any penalties for anything that is that is inside the computer, right? Like, there, there's, or you, you don't need to. You, you could allow it, right? Like, like, sports games allow you to throw in, um... Like, allow you to commit fouls, which is, you know, a little bit weird, but they let you do I, it. I know, I know, dude. <laughs> but that, that's, that's specifically because it's trying to be a simu- it's specifically trying to simulate um, right. the, the real-world experience. But there's no reason why, like, you know, you could just tell the computer, pass interference is impossible. Don't let, don't let a player do pass interference. I mean, you could also, I mean, I actually think this is a solvable problem in league because there almost are... You know, for, for instance, you can't talk during a pause, right? Like, people lose bands for that kind of thing, you know, like, all the time. Um, and I think that that's, that's a reasonable-ish way uh, that, that you do it. Maybe you do it in such a way. Um, honestly, I actually kind of think that the platonic ideal of League of Legends, this is, this is going to be a, uh, this is like slash C controversial opinion. I think the platonic ideal of competitive League of Legends has a sixth computer with a not a spectator necessarily, um, but kind of a spectator um, for the coach, and the coach is sitting there in the match and can be. You can have a dedicated shot caller without putting him in one yeah, of your I, roles. Like it's tough. I think I lo- I like the way it is the way it is right now. Right, like you know, for instance, I mean, I should be I should be lauding this. Right, I'm a TSM fan, and TSM has very audibly kind of uh, built. Bjergsen into being a kind of centralized shot caller for the team, right? They picked him up when he was a super young talent. They signed him for a huge five-year freaking contract, and they have consistently built this team around, here's our star player, Bjergsen. He's our mid laner. He's our shot caller, right? Like, and I think that that's great and everything, but I do kind of want to see a world in which, you know, we can loud the Bill Belichick, Monte Cristo's, of the world as well as the 
I don't know any fucking. What's it? He's like a really good football well, so, player. I don't even know. Uh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely blank. <laughs> Spoilers, but he doesn't watch fucking football, right? <laughs> I should have gotten with hockey. I could have gotten with a hockey reference. Anyway, um, the uh, and so I, I think I think that um, I think that that's secretly the platonic ideal of League of Legends. I would be very I would be very excited to see a version of competitive League of Legends with that built into it. I think it would radically change the game. First of I do all. Too. Uh, but I think I, it would be it, so interesting and make and make for what, a really cool version of the game. What do you think a C9 looks like with High as permanent coach forever? Right. Yeah. You, I mean, I think that's I. Yeah, I think that's a huge deal. You right? can cut off his arms and he'll still make C9 win. Um, I also think you know, like to be honest, I actually also think that you could make it work because you know, like hypothetically, let's say you have a coach who's sitting on the match uh, with, like, a his side only kind of live spectator view kind of thing. So he's watching all over the place. You know, <clears throat> he can spot wards. He can time this stuff in the chat for you. Like, all of this other kind of, like, middle-of-the-road stuff uh, that I think is, is loaded on the players could be kind of offloaded onto a coach role. And I like the idea that you could be comparing coaches and saying, you know, like, look – this is what this coach was documenting for his team, right? You know, it's one of those things where, like, <clears throat> for instance, one of the big, big statistics that really proved um, way, way back in the day uh, that Bengi, a guy named Bengi uh, on, on SKT, a T1K, um, was, like, the best jungler in the world was his wards. How many wards he bought per game on average compared to all the other junglers. All the other junglers were buying, you know, like, Whatever, you know, like, whatever the number was, 10, 15, 20 kind of thing. And, like, Bengi was buying, like, 45, right? Like, he was buying, like, 50 wards every game because he knew, you know, like, his job was just to get, like, vision all around the map kind of thing. And I think having that kind of, uh, having that kind of, like, additional vector in which to judge a coach is is beneficial. Yeah, I, I think, see, I, th I think that's a tough thing to, to do, too, though, because, like, um, I think I think at least for league, the way that they've kind of built the game is to have your shot caller kind of be like your quarterback in in football, and that you know the, the the difference being that there aren't like there aren't plays that you can talk to like a a regular coach and in between like you have in football in League of Legends because I think that like in some ways offloading all of that to a separate person is like almost a little bit too much, right? Like it is. I mean, I, or, I think I do. I think I do agree with you. I think it'd be a really cool way to see the game be played. Um, and in fact, I'd like to see that as like a show match at some point, or like an experiment. But part of me also understands an argument that that could also lead to like, like a set of undesirable things. You know, people like it's it's weird because it's it's a harder thing to, you know, there's obviously not the equivalent of like enforcers or like linemen in in League of Legends. Like, it's not like you have, like, 32 extra people playing the minions and not really thinking about their job. Mm. Um, your, your dogs, uh, as an example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I can, I can also, like, I can see the argument that, like, that devalues the, the, the a, a skill that we would want to value in a League of Legends player, which is, you know, a, ability to kind of, like, think and play at the same time instead of trying to offload all of that to like 
uh, some guy with a stopwatch. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I actually think that there's also middle ground here. For instance, I actually sure. think that pauses in League of Legends should work a little bit like timeouts. Uh, I, I think it would be neat, right? If you had like two, three, like three 60 second timeouts for each team, right? <clears throat> in League of Legends. <clears throat> so let's say a coach, you know, a coach can sit there, he can do pick ban, right? Um, and then, uh, uh, the t- a timeout happens, right? And then, like, let's say, you know, when one team calls a timeout, the other team can't speak during the, en- the enemy timeout, right? Like, it's a pause for them kind of thing. So you actually can even let the listener in, right? Like, you can put the view... You can just link what the coach is saying to everybody um, so that the viewer can hear the strategy kind of live. They already almost do that with, like, all chat kind of thing. Um, maybe there's kind of weird competitive stuff, right? Like, I mean, how do you do that in a in an yeah. arena with loudspeakers. Can the enemy team hear that? How do we do soundproofing, right? All that other kind of stuff. You put, but, all, you put people but I think, in But I think that's, yeah, I think that's, hypo, the, hypothetically, that's a, this is a problem that's solvable by, hey, yeah. fucking boots, right? Um, but yeah. But yeah, no, I actually, I think that, like, I think that could work. I don't think you don't allow the other team to speak during your timeout. I think that that's a little bit ridiculous. But you, you do stuff like, um, like, like say, like, do, do you know how, do you know how, like, uh, delayed, delayed penalties in hockey work? It's, no. what? I mean, it's it's not it's not super important. It's just like you know, you don't let the team pause in the middle of a team fight. Essentially, you have to have a ref. Oh, oh, oh! Call I know essentially you mean. a lull in the action to actually pause the game. Right, right. Which I yeah. think, which I think is actually the biggest barrier to something like this is that, um, you know, a lot of like there like League of Legends probably has and other mobas probably have some of the easier places to spot this, but there isn't a a bright line of exactly where a good time to allow a timeout would be, right? Like, you obviously don't want to, like, be like, you know, all the else just went off, timeout, um, and let people, like, like play mind games like that. Yeah, no, yeah, you're actually, you're right. I think you would have to have, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the, oh, you know, allow, allowing refs to, like, make that kind of call at the appropriate place is, is the right way to do that. I, I'm just imagining, like, are you familiar with icing the kicker? No. So icing the kicker in football, um, it, it statistically doesn't work, but when like the the team is about to kick a a what is presumably going to be a winning field goal, like right as they're about to like you know right as the guy's about to run up and make the kick, the coach the other coach of the other team calls timeout to kind of psych him out, and so I'm imagining I'm imagining like like this you know run up it's like all right there's this tense moment there's been a pause and we're about to unpause, and there's about to be a big play happening it's like three. Two, time out, time out, time out, and like freak out the other team, like that kind of mind games. Like yeah. I think that'd be really fun, but I don't know if that's the thing that that wants to like live in East. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think you're kind of right. But, I mean, honestly, I actually think that you could kind of automate this thing, right? Like, let's say, for instance, if you've dealt damage to the, if like anyone on your team has dealt damage to anyone on the enemy team in the last five seconds, you know, kind of thing. Um, like you can like a timeout can be called kind of thing right and you give the coach a button that he presses and that's his fucking you know so it's when it when it's when it's light up green he can hit the button oh instant timeout right but then you know the computer tells it no 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 red 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 these people are trading in the top lane we have to watch this right that kind of thing right you know, that that's uh, so uh not, like not not that that's a bad idea i'm just imagining like you know like rocket jinx rocket heading towards about to impact like the half second before it impacts like slam that timeout button type of deal 
Um, oh my god, that'd be amazing. Okay, this time out is very simple. You are getting hit by a Jinx rocket. Run. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the <laughs> What's the JoJo thing? The, uh, yeah, that yeah. guest song, the, the baseline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, this is all. This is all very in the weeds stuff for League of Legends. What are your plans for what are your plans for Evo? Uh my plans, I need to practice more. I haven't and I've got like 3 days. Also apparently I never got my badge, but I do have a receipt, so I need to figure that out. All okay. like logistic stuff. But um I plan to lose. <laughs> <laughs> One I have well pra- good 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 plan, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't practiced enough which is on me. Um I haven't um like I don't think I was ever that good in the first place. Um, and I also play a low-tier character. And I, I play Zangief. He's, I think, considered the worst character in Street Fighter V right now. Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, good yeah. luck, I suppose. Uh, um, that sucks. Yeah, but you know Is what? Is it just because he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have like, the projectile kind of thing? Um, I think... So, I, 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 I'm going to sound like an idiot right now, and it will show exactly why I'm not prepared for Evo. Um, but I think it's essentially... He he, he doesn't have enough tools to like consistently get in. I think like all of his matchups are bad. Like there's there's a concept that you know in, in fighting games where um people like you know certain going up against certain people is, is bad for a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you see your best character, you you want to have somebody else in your pocket. And I think a lot of people just have a lot of ways to to, to counteract Zangief. Um, although I have seen very good Zangief players, and I don't think the distance is that large like i don't think this is like you know trying to like i think there are good enough zangief players out there to do well i just think that like at the very top level of play he's it's 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 just not like you might not be able to get into the top eight but i think you'd still be able to like wreck like like it it is not really an excuse uh for me right like i i i i I should be better. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's an open enrollment, so uh, there's always next year, I guess. Um, do you plan Do you plan on making this a year, uh, a I don't year know. in, year out thing? I don't know, maybe. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we'll see how it really goes. I'm also excited for, um, in, in very esports kind of stuff, um, they're airing the finals on ESPN2. Uh, which is, you know, crazy, right? Like, I never mm-hmm. thought in, in my... Especially the FGC. I don't know if you're familiar at all, but there was um, so very, like, a like, number of years ago, like, the kind of, like, birth of esports, MLG approached EVO, and they did an EVO kind of as a joint thing, but Street Fighter, like, you know, the fighting games kind of got shoved into a corner while MLG played Halo and all their, like, you know, b- back in, like, the, the... Oh, I remember this. And so, for a very long time... Um, the, the, the fighting game community has just kind of been like, esports are, are bad. Like, and in some ways that, that, that's nice, right? Like all these tournaments are about the players primarily. It's not primarily about spectators. Um, but we're starting to get some of that spectacle. The final team will be in Mandalay Bay. Um, and it, like I said, it's going to be on ESPN too. And, uh, I think, I think Capcom, uh, largely motivated by the success of things like, uh, League of Legends, um, on Twitch, wants to really make the Capcom Pro Tour, like, a, a, a big real thing. Um, I've been supporting it with things like, like, you know, more balance patches than Street Fighter Four ever got. Um, 
and you know this kind of like rolling content which is something that the ki helped to pioneer here has had like I think two or three seasons at this point of different characters. I, I to think... be honest, I, I am inc- incredibly surprised at there there being a community for that game. Killer Instinct? Um, yeah, Killer Instinct. Um, I didn't think there was one. But then, God, maybe two years ago, I went to... Uh, fuck, what was it? I went to something. Maybe it was like... MLG Anaheim. I, I mean, I went there with Lou. A huge League of Legends game was played there. Um, I don't know if you know this. There's a, there's an extremely famous TSM versus CLG game where uh, it went into two or three different instances of, like, basically base racing. Um, CLG ended up winning, but it was just, like, so fucking hype. Uh, Killer Instinct was there, and it was actually, like really surprisingly busy they weren't on one of the big screens they weren't on like one of the giant screens uh the giant screens were cod starcraft 2 and league of legends with no that they that those screens never dropped for anybody else um but then there were a bunch of small screens for you know smash and everything like that but i was consistently impressed and surprised uh that killer instinct was it kept it had an audience It, it was probably probably after smash brothers it was like the second biggest crowd uh, for like this small screen, which includes stuff like CS:GO, um, to just like all the other esports, Street Fighter, all the other esports you can think of, which was crazy to me at the time. Ki is this the League of Legends of fighting games? You you get like a rotating free character, and you you buy the other characters in the same kind of way you do with with uh, League of Legends. The game the game's free, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to um, you don't have to pay for it. So I think that that's really a, a big part of it. Um, and I think that they were the they they were the they were the first ones to kind of get on this, you know. Let's get on this esports bandwagon. Let's make instead of making fighting games a thing that have like seven releases with like marginal improvements uh, each time, and you get like super hyper rainbow editions. Um, let's like make them continually updated games because you know the internet's here. And then um, the freaking the the technology for uh, like the other the other big thing that has made fighting games really competitive as like an esport is internet technology coming far enough that you can play reliably like on your home computer without you know without feeling like you're being cheated out of uh cheated out of games by lag which is so much more of a concern in in like uh in a fighting game than it is in um in say league of legends um and that like this is this is actually relatively big news um uh uh the, there was a version of technology that launched with Rising Thunder, uh, which no longer exists thanks to Rito. Thanks, Riot. Thanks, um, Rito. Um, and uh, there's uh, oh, what's it called? Sorry. Um, and th- they've implemented a version of that kind of it's uh, th- this kind of like uh, technology. I think it's it's I, I don't know, I don't know the technology exactly, but I think it's it's the way it rolls back frames so that. Um, even if you have lag, it doesn't seem as bad. Um, they've implemented that in Street Fighter V, and so um, I think that's kind of really built us towards this this kind of new era of of, of fighting. I think I think League of Legends essentially helped to revive fighting games. Um, you know, obviously one half of that was Street Fighter IV making the genre mainstream again um, all those years ago, but League of Legends kind of showing that if you build it, they will come. Um, and you know it's not just League of Legends; it's also the the other MOBAs that have really built this esports spe- scene out, which is kind of built on the on the uh, the, the corpse of StarCraft. Um, 
I think that's all really kind of like pushing every like all of these esports forward. I'm actually super excited. Um, I think this is it's it's super cool that we're gonna like we're moving towards an era where this is going to be a more regular and more normal thing. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited for like my 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 kids to you know watch football right after their LCS games type of deal. It's it's honestly a little bit crazy for me because this is kind of the first LCS season that I haven't played or not played uh, that I haven't um, watched as kind of compulsively uh, as I have all of these other seasons uh, which is ironic because this is the season that tsm is like 12 and 0 by the way um you yeah, know like I, completely I know. undefeated in these best of three matches I did, for, for, for the listeners out there i'm a huge tsm fan mango hates tsm mostly because huge tsm fans like me can be fucking obnoxious uh, for instance, the time that he came down, stayed in my apartment, and we went to the LCS together. And TSM, oh god. oh god, they were losing this whole game. It was like thirty straight minutes of losing, and then like one bad team fight for Team Liquid. TSM backdoors the base, and I was rubbing it in Mango's face so badly, just like screaming in his face. It was oh. the most obnoxious thing I've f- ever done in my life. <laughs> to be fair, I think I deserved it that day because I think all that whole game was like, huh. <laughs> I know you did deserve it, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, but you, um, you, you kind of in in that right. Like I haven't really been watching either. I've got a friend visiting this weekend. He doesn't play League of Legends so much because he didn't have the time, but he watches it fairly religiously. So he's like, "Do you want to watch the LCS?" I'm like, "Sure." You know, we throw it on. It's like I'm still like I'm. You know, I haven't played League of Legends since Overwatch came out. Um, literally the day. Yeah. The day before Overwatch came out, I played I played like three games of League of Legends. The day then Overwatch came out, and I have not played. A, I haven't even logged in. I'm not even patched. <laughs> anyway. but, but you know, like I'm, I'm still, like you know, I'm still there. You know, even though some things have changed, even though like it's not all the 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 same, right? Like. I'm still, I can still watch that game and like still get this, you know, sometimes I have to be like, oh, did they change that? Um, and you know, we, we, we get what's, what's, what's up in the meta. Apparently Aurelia's broken as shit. Um, and so like, and, and you know, like that kind of things, you know, I need to ask about, but it's still like, I still, I still know what's happening. I'm still able to kind of watch it as a spectator sport without playing it like I would a game of football. And I think that's, and you know, I think that that's hard to do like i don't think that like you could get like you know johnny football watcher and be like watch these cartoon characters shoot bullets at each other and do particle effects but i think we're slowly moving there and i think that's great um i think that that will be like i don't know i i I really hope that that's like that we're moving towards this world where 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 esports becomes like a real thing instead of just being like Oh, esports! Oh, you play video games real good. Oh, isn't that nice? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't tuned in I, I, for a couple of different reasons. The first one um, is that, importantly, uh, I think um, they have really changed the schedule. Right now, games are happening simultaneously um, instead of kind of and, and the times at which they change they play over like the course of three days sometimes at night sometimes in the afternoon i actually used to really like what, what i used to do is i would just kind of have it on in the background um 
uh, while while I was kind of like working. You know, it's one of those things where you're not really paying attention to it, but every once in a while, it, but it's kind of like white noise that helps me focus better. Um, and uh, and I can't kind of can't do that anymore because it doesn't air at the right times, and I don't really feel like going back and rewatching uh, rewatching stuff. I don't know. I, I have a really tough time with it. Um, uh, in general, I, I I can't really explain why I haven't been uh, watching watching league this season uh except for the fact that maybe i you know like i it's also i have been playing league i played league super super competitively uh probably more competitively than i have any other season because of dynamic q in ranked um this kind of like the only big league change i can think of so maybe that's eh, maybe that's that yeah yeah i don't know uh-huh. Yeah, I don't have a good um I don't know. I don't have a good uh handle on on uh, on some of this stuff, I guess. Um I think that I you know, I think people are predicting that like competitive Overwatch is going to be like the next big thing. I I don't agree. I think competitive Overwatch needs to get such, get its shit together uh from a spectator perspective. Yeah, I think, I think that's just, I think that's always hard. Painfully painfully bad to watch that game I, th- I think that that's a that's just a thing that's kind of like plagued fps's for a long time that's it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to spectate in general especially because the best players are whipping their the cameras around with you know which is you know makes people most like i mean i guess csgo pulls a lot of viewers so may- maybe there's something that i'm just not saying but um that that's that's that like i think smite had a good idea when it when its spectator cameras more pulled back um and you know i think league of legends and starcraft just actually lend themselves to being able to spectate better because you can have like you you know you could have this different view of the battlefield that's not like watching a league of legends game from a spectator camera is the same as watching the game from a regular person or from a player's perspective with like some fog of war changes same thing also with with fighting games right mm-hmm. like, like literally it's the same screen for most fighting games you're what you know you, yeah, you don't no, need, definitely yeah um and i think that that's that's a big thing that fighting that fighting games not fighting games uh, for first person shooters are going to have to overcome i um, in the same way that like the big the big jump for mobas is the burden of knowledge i think the the, the big jump for FPS is, is is acclimation to the to the viewing style. Um, I think you know people who who care about it enough um, watch it watch it enough and kind of, kind of get through that in the same way that people who play enough League of Legends have the have the uh, the knowledge base to understand what's happening on screen. Because if you showed that to somebody new, they'll just be like, "Why is the man with the gun like? Why did he go backwards and why is he?" zip zooping and why does that guy have a laser gun and why does that skeleton throw hooks at people um <laughs> uh and it's it's you know there's i think there's a lot of that like i think this, this is actually something that fighting games do really well um there's a lot of depth to fighting games that you know even like that you know i'm gonna say even i even though i still consider myself fair novice but like Somebody who knows what they're looking at, there's still a lot of depth there that you might that you might miss. But without that knowledge, it's still fun to watch, right? Like, at its core, you know, it's still two people beating each other up, and maybe you don't understand 
why exactly, you know, that particular moveset was impressive or like the, you know, what like the frame links are or what like, you know, the, you know, putting somebody in a hard knockdown versus a soft knockdown. Maybe you don't understand those things, but you could still kind of get what's happening um, relatively simply by watching, watching the, uh, watching the game. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think you can watch Evo Moment 37 with minimal explanation and understand why it's so impressive. I have a really tough time with that when it comes to CSGO. Yes, I, follow, I think that's I the problem. I follow Thorin uh, on Twitter. Um, he is obviously, you know, um, super, like, super CSGO guy. But sometimes he'll link, like, highlight reels kind of thing. And I never get it. I never understand it. Or sometimes I do understand it, but I'm like, how the fuck is that highlight? This happened to me last weekend. Last weekend there was apparently some huge tournament and some guy no-scoped another guy, you know, with a sniper rifle where he hit the, where he, you know, hit the sniper rifle shot with the like crazy weapon spread without uh getting into iron sights um but to me that how is that a big play you know what i mean how is that how is that impressive it's not it's just you know like it's, it's just ran, it's random luck to me that that means that means like, absolutely and, and, nothing and and to to before the haters send hey i'm not like you know i think what we're saying is not that it's luck that the you know that he happened like you know it's not that he's not skillful in his in his pointing of the gun, it's that the fact that the ray cast went through the right point and happened to hit someone through the head, that's luck. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, it's not about. I mean, this happens with Hearthstone, right? You know, like, and this is why Hearthstone is always best of five, best of seven, or whatever. Also, the games are typically short, but like Hearthstone is a game where, like, you know, you're watching both screens, you're seeing what people are, you know, people, what they're drawing, what they're playing, kind of thing. Um, and so you definitely see, you know, like, oh, this guy's down, oh, two HP, boom. Top decks Reno, right, and and completely swat, and you know he top decks Reno. Next turn, twisting Nether. Up, the whole game is like completely fl- flipped around, right, because of just like one random top deck, right. Um, and and you know, like, does that make Trump a good player that he top decked Reno? No, of course not, right. Uh, but like all of, but like the, I think I make Hearthstone great again. I think I think that like it's tough because the the highlight reel doesn't always match, you know what what actually kind of happened in, yeah. in a weird way, right? Like the highlight reel kind of naturally says this player is good implicitly, right? When in actuality, it's just this play was crazy, right? right. And it could have been crazy for the RNG of top decking Reno when you're at one HP. I did that today. I did that today. When I was playing Hearthstone against a guy, right, and he was playing this, like, spell damage mage, and he got, he got me down to one HP, and he started spamming well played, and I, and I played Alexandra, or, or Alexstrasza, or whatever, and I got, you know, and I popped back up to 15 HP, you know, next turn, True Heart, Justicar, Revenge, clear the whole board, clear the whole board, and then I won the game, kind of thing, right? Like, that play was awesome, right, but it was just because I was sitting on Alexstrasza, and I knew he didn't have lethal, um... I don't know. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it. I don't know. I think it's weird. I think. Yeah. It's, no. I uh, think. I think tough to parse. It is. It's also one of those things where, like, in say Hearthstone, like 
the 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 true moments of skill are the just as planned type things, but that doesn't really go well on a highlight reel. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, to be honest, I, really, my example is a bad one because I was sitting on. I actually kept Alex Straws in my opening hand because I was playing Dragon Warrior and I had that one minion, like the two mana minion, where he gets plus one attack and charge if there's a dragon in your hand. And so I started my hand with two of him and an Alex, and I was just like, I'll keep Alex to give my bad boys charge at level two, right? Like, I don't give a fuck. Um, and uh, and you know, and, and so you know, like maybe maybe you could make like a like a minute and a half highlight, right, of the, I of like the two turn back and forth, right? I watch his board, right? I know he has better board presence, but I have enough HP. I tank the hit, right? Clear some stuff, right? Oh boy, now we're down to the wire. If he has one direct damage spell, or no, it was actually, if he, I knew if he had Frostbolt, if he had Frostbolt or Forgotten Torch, which are the, the mage damage spells that you see a lot of, I was fine, right? But if he had Fireball in his hand, I was dead, Right? And so, I'm sitting on Alex. Okay? He's going to attack me into the face with, you know, Flame Walker, whatever. Boom! Frostbolt. Okay, cool. Next turn, Alex. Maybe you can make a highlight reel out of that. But, like, that's not really a highlight reel. Like, a highlight reel is, like, yeah, like, a play of the game has to be 15 seconds, right? Like, you can't right. have a play of the game that's, like, a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It would be sweet if Hearthstone had plays at the game. I yeah. would have liked to go back and have seen that play. I felt very, very good about that play. Um, going, you know, kind of harkening back to our RNG episode, that was one of those. You know, that's one of those games. That's one of those places where I think RNG, quote unquote, really, really shines. Right? I had to make a, uh, you know, I had to, I had to make a choice right based on imperfect information. Um, and I chose right because the RNG of the enemies, you know, the RNG of his deck meant he didn't have his second fireball kind of thing. Um, I've had that happen to me with Cthune, with Cthune a lot because Cthune decks get played a whole bunch in Hearthstone right now. Um, Cthune, just for people's awareness, right? Cthune decks are built all around stalling and stalling and buffing up your Cthune until he's like, you know, just like this huge, unstoppable, super powerful uh, minion or whatever, but the there's only one of him him in the 30-card deck. So sometimes when you're playing a Cthune deck, that Cthune could be super scary, 15-15, right? Like, super strong, but the, the bad, you know, the opponent never draws it, so it's never even an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But that's a little off-topic. I don't really know what yeah. esports for Hearthstone looks like, though I do remember that the original Spectator stuff they had for it was dreadful. Um, because it was basically uh, that it revealed both hands of the uh, of the of like both players, but one hand was upside down. So you you literally it's like the worst it's like the worst spectator thing I've ever heard of happening in like a game like this. You had to read the upside down cards in order to understand what was in one of the players' hands, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, <laughs> I think that was also kind of okay for when you were watching it in the client because you could mouse over it and it would be less retarded. But like, if you're trying to broadcast that, it's yeah, just if you're like, trying to watch that on what? Twitch, oh, you know, the, yeah, like what are you doing, kind of thing. They eventually fixed it. I've watched a tiny bit of competitive Hearthstone um, after that, but um, you know. Well, yeah, um, I think that might be the note to close on, unless you had anything else you wanted to explore for esports. Uh, I just want to throw a quick shout out, TSM, you're the best. <laughs> Thank you for winning. <laughs> Thank you for winning these games. Thank you 
esports for making the TSM chant a meme. That's my new favorite thing. I think that will always be my favorite favorite contribution to the world of TSM. <laughs> I hate you so much. As, as, as we mentioned before, I will be at Evo. If any of you out there are listening, want to come say hi, I'll be the big doofy looking guy. My gamer tag for Evo is the Mungler because what? um so there's a good reason for this. There's a professional Smash player named Mango. He spells it with a zero. Um he's actually on Cloud9. Uh, he's a Cloud9 Smash player. Right. My name is my usual tag is the one true Mango. And if I were somebody who didn't know that I had had that name since the sixth grade, I would assume that I was attempting to throw some sort of shade onto this other professional player. So I avoided that by making a a name that I thought was amusing, the Mungler. Fair um, enough. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I just don't want to. Like people in League of Legends ask me regularly. In fact, I'm sure that there is at least one person who listens to this podcast who thinks that I might be the Smash player Mango. Um, um, I'm not. Just just to be clear, I'm some uh, some other random dude. Um, if you want to see, see, say hi to me at Evo and you can find me, go for it. Um, I will be there with the, uh, the stars and hosts of the Unwise Index, and I believe the plan is to record an episode of that show there, so you can hear me on that. Um, if you want to email us, tell us about how you're going to stop me at Evo, you can email, uh, us at somederpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitch and Twitter, um, YouTube and whatnot. Anything you wanted to plug, buddy? <sighs> Uh, no, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, uh, until uh, next time, dear listeners. Until You know what? Actually, I will plug something. Okay. I, 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 we are also going to be, for any of our listeners out there who are into, uh, uh, you know, like the, the Pathfinder episodes that I'm sure most of you skip anyway. But whatever. Um, we're actually going to get Gen Con in a couple of weeks. So if any of you are planning to go uh, or thinking about going, uh, we will plug this in our future episodes. We're actually going to do a From Gen Con uh, quote-unquote live show from the beautiful hotel room for whatever hotel Mango Books because I forgot the name of it. Um, uh, so that is also coming up in the not-too-distant future in about a month, and I thought I'd mention it. Yeah, it's actually it's, it's actually less than a month. It's like two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll remind you about that later too. But yeah, feel free to say hi to us at Gen Con. Um, my name will not be the mungler at Gen Con. Um, I don't think you it have will be a the wooden wanderer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will cosplay as my character. That that would be sad. That's that's the nice thing about having like the the tonic kind of thing is that it works in RP sets like standards and out of you know, you know you you can't name you know like you can't name like an RP character in WoW the one true mango. Right. Well, I guess yeah. you could, but you know nobody would. Everybody would think you're a jerk. Plus, I think there might be a character limit. So yeah, it's it's one true. Ma- this is so. Slight aside, this is something that used to bother me, is I was one true mango, not the one true mango, one true mango, and everybody (laughs) would call me one for short, instead of mango, just like, really guys? Um, You know, it's funny because Tonric, uh, you know, Tonric is obviously, you know, my main character's name in World of Warcraft, and uh, 
all in in both in RP and out of RP uh, because I had you know like so when I was playing uh, so when I was like RPing all the time I made like RP friends and we would talk to one another like in mumble servers out but we would always refer to one another as our friends names right so you know we have a friend whose name is Rebecca but I know of her as Lou because her character was Aluria and Aluria's nickname was Lou well I was Tonric and my nickname was Rick, right? Like, R, like apostrophe R-I-C. That's how everybody knew, you know, like, me. Um, but whenever I would, like, meet with people who didn't know me offhand uh, kind of thing, right? Like, with another RP guild we were talking, they would always call me Ton, like, T-O-N, and I fucking hate it. Like, I hate that. Um, because I'm petty. Anyway, uh, that is, that's enough waxing about, it's about, you know, fun fact for the, for the hardcore listeners who are really willing to turn, tune in. <laughs> yeah, this has been Ton Petty. And, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well played, well played. Uh, you know what, I'm always down, I'm always down for a good pun. All right. <laughs> Until next time, dear <laughs> listeners. Farewell, loyal listeners. <laughs>